right, all right. So who is tired here this morning? I, yeah, I get it. You know, this is a true fact. Mark, by the way, Mark, you crush it every time you get up here. We love you. Only a few people love you in here, but I love you. <laughs> Let's hear from Mark, everybody. Are you great? Woo! Um, but it's true that statistically, uh, the daylight savings time, day, Sunday, is the lowest attended uh, Sunday for churches across America. It's the lowest attended serve. It's actually lower than the Super Bowl. So you guys are the hardcore that are here this morning. So you guys, you guys should be proud of yourselves because you're like a 10 on the Christian meter right now. You're like <laughs> off the charts Christian today. Uh, but no, we're, we're so glad you're here. Mark alluded to it. Uh, next week's going to be a lot of fun. I know a lot of our folks are sick right now, uh, and I'm praying that they get better soon because you don't want to miss next week. Our senior and founding pastor, uh, Chris Songs, he's also an author, uh, he'll be here next week. I mean, we were talking this week, and he said, you know, what do you, what do you want me to talk about? What do you, want to, you know, what do you, what do you think we should cover? And I said, you know what's cool is that South Hills is really a church movement. It's got 11 campuses all over the world, and South Hills' style is very unique. It's a very unique culture. And it's a very unique style. Uh, we, uh, we have live teaching, even though we're broken up into campuses. We don't have a main campus. Uh, so he doesn't speak at any one campus uh, on a weekly basis. He's actually traveling the, the, uh, off in the backyard. And I said, so it's a very unique culture. Uh, but it didn't start off that way. It started off in the backyard. And I said, I think our folks would really love to hear how this whole thing got started to now it's a worldwide movement. So uh, he's going to come and share that with you. So I'd encourage you uh, to come out and check that out. It's going to be like, also uh, bring a lot of your friends. It should be a lot of fun. Now, we are on this uh, series, Dollars and Cents, and I'm going to start off with, a, with, with, a, with just a, a comment or a statement that I'm sure everybody could agree with, and that is spending money is fun. It's just fun. And I could, we can pretend like it's not, but it is. There's something that happens to you when you spend money. There's like the endorphins kick in when you see a pair of shoes you like or an outfit you like or a jacket you like or a, a, a hobby you're interested in. You get a new bike or a surfboard or whatever, and you get really into that, and, it, and it, 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 it makes you happy. It actually makes you feel good. Spending money feels good. But the problem is we don't usually have money to buy these things. So they invented this magical card where you can get anything that you want. And then you can have it right now. You don't have to wait. You can literally have it right now. And if you're lucky, you get six months zero financing on it. So that's God saying I'm supposed to have it because I get six months of no financing. And so you kind of convince yourself. And then you start going, you know what? I'm going to write everything down and I'm going to be meticulous. And I, I'm going to make sure that I'm responsible this time. And I'm going to write everything down to the penny. So therefore, I don't overspend and I don't blow out my budget. And then the new iPhone comes out, and you're like, okay, maybe I'll just try the next time, and then the next time, but then this emergency happens, and then you start off with great intentions, but sometimes it just gets out of hand. Now, this is, this is an extreme example, but, uh, but I thought it was a little fun this morning. So it could look something a little like this. Check this out. Okay, here's the plan. We borrow a few bucks, just a small loan from the briefcase, and we find ourselves some reasonable logics. Good plan. And we'll, we'll keep track of all the money we spend with IOUs. We'll be meticulous, right down to the last penny. Whatever we borrow, we pay back. Absolutely. We're good for it. Where is our bond? This is the Hotel Danbury Presidential Suite, gentlemen. 
normally reserved for royalty, visiting dignitaries, illustrious stars of stage and screen. We have shortly coming the Emperor and Empress of Japan. And of course, Princess Charles and I, when they were together, used to frequent the hotel constantly. We'll take it! That's just a little like extreme example, but like we always start off with good intentions. We're gonna just write everything down, and then we it gets out of control. But you know what? We're not weird about this. From the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, this is what was happening. God says, "I have one rule: just don't touch the fruit on that tree." It's simple. And Eve, and Eve was seduced by uh, the serpent, who is the devil, and basically said, "You can have it right now. Who's God to tell you can't have it? You should have it. You should." Okay, I'll do it. So since the very beginning, we've said, I want it now, and I should have it now. Now, we should learn about what God says about this, because God has a lot to say about it, but we can't look to other people or other things to help us with this. Because our society says, you should have it now. If you want something, you should have it. Now, I, I, again, I'm not, uh, I was talking to a couple guys this morning, I'm not a political trying to get you on one side or the other. That is absolutely not what I, have, what I want to do. So this is not a political thing, but this is really more of a common sense thing. Do not look to the government to solve this issue for you. Do not do it, because you're going to see bad example after bad example. The government literally doesn't know how to spend money. I'll give you an example. Now, if we think, well, I'm kind of spending out of control, maybe I should look to the government to help me. Did you know that if California was its own country, Okay, you take all of Europe, you take all of Asia, you take everything. If California was its own country, it would have the fifth largest economy in the world. The fifth largest economy in the world if California was its own country. So why is it, and it's the most, you know, tax state in the union, why is it every couple of years they keep asking for more money? You know, they, they say things like, like, well, you want more police, don't you? You want more fired people, don't you? You want more paramedics, don't you? You want better schools, don't you? You want the teachers to get paid more, don't you? Yeah, my wife's a teacher. That's a great idea. But what happened to the money I just gave you? I just paid this a couple of years ago. And every couple of years, you're asking me for more money because you don't know how to spend it. You don't know how to budget it. You just keep spending things. And so you're, you're out of control with it. So if we look to the government to see, well, how do I do it? Don't, because it's a terrible example. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that you're just going to keep getting frustrated with. We have to be able to take control of this on our own, and we have to say, okay, God, what is it that you want to do with it? Now, God has definitely something to say about it. Because we live in a culture of spending and not budgeting, God says, because of this, I want you to do some things about it. Now, why does God care about this? Because debt enslaves us. It just does. 
We are enslaved to our debt. Now you could think, enslaved to our debt? What are you talking about? This isn't ancient Egypt where the Jewish people are held in slavery. This isn't the, 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 the darkest, most horrific time in our U.S. history with slavery. We're not enslaved to this, but you actually are because it owns you. Here's what it could look like. If you have debt, it could look like this. It could force you, force you to take a job you don't want. It causes you to overwork. It causes us to worry, being behind every month, adding to the debt that's already there. It causes losing sleep. It causes high blood pressure, anxiety, and other health issues. It breaks up marriages. It tells us where we can go. It tells us where we can live. It takes away our decision-making capabilities, and it leaves us feeling hopeless. So in short, our debt owns us. It takes away our decision of what we want to do with our life because we're indebted to something. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So, yes, it's abrasive to compare debt to slavery, especially for people with a history of slavery, but the Israelite story is rooted in the journey from slavery to sustainability. The, the Israelites were actually forced to make bricks without straw. And it's this image of, like, they got used to this image of, like, well, this is what it is. The Israelites got used to this thing where, I guess I'm always going to be here. This is just what it is. And I guess I get, we get used to our debt. That's why we get with our debt. Well, we'll always have debt, so this is just what it is. But no slave ever said, you know what we need is? We need a better form of slavery. But we do that with our debt all the time. We take other, we, we, we kind of move this over to this thing. We move this over to this thing. We, we try to get more, uh, better interest rates, so we get more cards. And we try to, 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 to make excuses for the debt we're getting into. We just keep getting more and deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. Now, you know what's funny is I actually have somebody that thinks like this, and they don't go to this church, so I can't embarrass them. But I remember he told me, dude, I just got $10,000. I'm like, you did? That's awesome. He goes, they raised my credit card, 10000 bucks." I'm like, you didn't get $10,000. You've got to pay that back. Well, no, they, you know, they, they, they gave me $10,000, so I get, I get to spend it. And then later on, you're trying to form other ways of trying to get out of that, but it doesn't work. One of the ways that I really do feel bad about this is I feel bad for uh, student loans. Those are tough because kids are just trying to get an education. They're really just trying to get into college, and they really want to just you know, uh, to go to the college that they like, and, and the student loans really cripple them for years and years and years and years and years. It's tough. Those are the tough ones. But it's what we signed the contract to. It's, it's, it's what the agreement was. You know, Melanie and I, when Melanie wanted to get her postgraduate degree, she wanted to get her master's degree, we actually looked at USC until we saw how much it costs. <laughs> National University, here we come. Do we got a football program? Do we have a mascot? I don't know. We've got some more national. It's all right. You know, I mean, that's what it is. Because we're like, hey, we're going to have to pay that back. And it's going to be a lot of money. And it's going to be a lot of years. We're technically still paying it back. It's tough. But those are the agreements that we get into. And it cripples us from the very, very beginning. Now, God wants us to live a life of freedom. He does not want us to be enslaved to anything. Exodus 3.17 says this. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, what is he saying after all of these difficult words to pronounce? What is he saying? He is saying, I've got something better for you. 
a land of milk and honey. God promises the Israelites a land of milk and honey. In other words, I will free you from the slavery and lead you to a place of stability. God wants us to be free from anything, anything that owns us, including our debt. Now, there's a process between this. You know, there's always a process between, uh, for the Israelites, there was a process between the, the, this being enslaved and stability. There's a process to that. And we're going to look at this, what, of what that is. Proverbs 6, 1 through 7, it says this, as I get these on. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbors no rest. Allow no sleep to, uh, to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, and no ruler. Now what is the gist of this telling us? It tells us this. Living simply is better than being enslaved to our debt. Living simply is better than being a slave to our debt. Now, this is, a, this is an Old Testament uh, 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 practice, really. The journey from, from, from civility to, or slavery to civility, it's going to cost a, a massive amount of tightening the belt. It's going to say, I'm going to have to be really organized about this. I'm going to have to really make some tough choices. Getting out of debt won't be easy. Your freedom never is. Have you ever been to an AA meeting? You know, when you're an alcoholic, you are enslaved to that alcohol. It owns you. It, it dictates your life. It, it tells you what you can do that day. And often you keep going back to it. If you've ever been to an AA meeting, it is the biggest struggle for these people because they want it so bad. But to get free from that alcohol, you're going to have to go through some struggle. Like anything else, to get free from anything that's owning us, it's going to take a lot of struggle. It's going to be hard. Now, what do we do? A lot of times we make minimum payments. Minimum payments guarantee us that we're going to always be in debt. And we're always going to be strangling from it. But we think, well, I'm paying it off, so it should be fine. But it's always going to cause us to go through that. Now, South Hills has a thing called Financial Planning University, FPU. And it is specifically designed to help us with our debt and help us with our spending and help us to get out of debt. It's actually a program run by uh, Dave Ramsey. And we are going to have FPU here at South Hills, South County. We for sure will. But FPU, the, the, we're not going to have it in time for right now. So FPU is actually going to be March 17th. And it's going to be at our Costa Mesa campus. And if you'd like some more information, you can contact Tamara. It's right there on the screen, tamara.smith at southhills.org. If you would like some information on this Dave Ramsey study, our sister campus in Costa Mesa will be doing it. And I want to offer that to you. Now, FPU, just to give you like a little snapshot of it, he's got, Dave Ramsey got seven rules to get out of, of debt. And here, here they are. Create a debt snowball. Now, what does that look like? Pay off the smallest one first, and then the principle is to establish a habit that will fortify your resolve. And every time you pay off a credit card, uh, roll that money over to pay off the next. The number two is save $1,000 emergency fund. So that way, when emergencies come up, you pay cash for that emergency. Number three is quit borrowing more money. Okay, that seems pretty easy. Number four, pray and ask God for help. 
Uh, number five, give what you can until you... Number seven, look. Number six, cut your expenses and sell stuff you don't need. Number seven, look to find ways to supplement your income. Guys, none of these are easy. None of them are. Like when you look at this list, you go, well, maybe I could do... None of them are easy. It's all going to require struggle. Getting out of debt is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And it's not going to be uh, fun at all. But you got to get free from it. One of the biggest problems that we get into when we talk about debt is that we, uh, we feel like I'm living within my means because I'm only spending uh, what I have. So if I'm spending what I have, I should be okay. I'm not buying things that I don't have. I'm not going beyond my means. Now, here is where the problem gets, that most people find themselves in debt when they think they're being responsible, they think they're living within their means, but they're, they're and I'll, I'll give you an example of this. When I was a kid, I was spoiled rotten. Look at Vic, he's like, yeah, he was. <laughs> I mean, I was spoiled rotten. I, I had anything I wanted. I had any toy I wanted, any clothes I wanted. I had literally anything that I wanted, I can have. My folks were doing okay in their business, and I, and, and I was just a spoiled kid. And then you grow up, and my parents get divorced, and everything shrinks down. But right after that, my mom gets on her own, and she just is a phenomenal business person. And then she starts to make some really uh, good living. And so in high school, it was like 90210 in my high school. I had a brand new car. I had the nicest clothes. I had all the stuff you could ever want. I had no worry about money whatsoever. And then I get into college. And, and, and I was living in the fraternity house. Vic remembers this. My mom came to visit me and us in the fraternity house, and, and she wouldn't sit down on anything. Remember that? Vic? She wouldn't sit on the couch. She didn't want to touch anything. Uh, and she's like, uh, you're getting out of here. So she bought us a house in Braille. Just, here you go. And it was a beautiful house in a gorgeous area. And we're like, sweet. So I never really had to worry about this. Now I get into, after college, I get into Nextel. And I am making a great living for a kid my age. I mean, I was really making some excellent money. I was in sales. I got into marketing. And I was making a good amount of money. So I just spent. I'm making it. I'm spending it. I'm fine. And we were living in Newport. And I was buying whatever I felt like buying. It was fine. And then I get into ministry. And it's like, okay, everything shrinks up a little bit. <laughs> Melly's like, great. When he gets married to me, he joins ministry. Okay, great. So then... I, I start to make little incremental, uh, you know, promotions, and, and I was getting raises and promotions and raises. So after like 14, 15 years, you know, I'm getting the typical promotions and raises. So every time I would get promoted and, and raised and everything else, I would uh, start to spend what I had. Now, here's the problem that most of us get our, ourselves into when it comes to debt. We start doing this, right? And it seems fine. I'm spending. Okay, I get more money. I'm spending. Okay, I get more money. I'm spending. I'm not like going crazy. I'm just spending what I have. Now, when that ends, you've got to make this. Instead of budgeting down here, when that ends, you've got to make this. So when that chapter in our lives ended at that previous church, I was making this after 15 years of ministry. Now I've got to go somewhere else and make this because that's what my expenses are now. Guys, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I knew Moses and I knew, I knew about South Hills. But when the idea came up right after I left that other place, I was like, there's no way. Sounds like a nice idea. Yeah, I love being a campus pastor. I love the idea of teaching live. 
I didn't, I didn't talk to him about this, but I was thinking, should I even talk to him about this? I felt that it was in my heart, but I'm thinking, I don't know, I have to make this because then you got to start back from the bottom. And I need to actually, practically speaking, I have to make this to live. But did I? So what did I do? I said, God, I'm going to take this job at this other place because it's giving me actually more money than I was making. So obviously you're blessing this, and this is what you want from me, right? Right? God's like, okay, go for it. I'm going to be right here when you need me. But if you're not going to listen to me, I'll be right here. So I was like, okay, great. I'm going to a church. I'm still serving people. I'm still loving people. So I'm going to make this be what God wants me to be. So God, I'm going to make this decision, and I'm going to wedge you into this decision because this is the decision I made. So I'm going to force you into this one. So bless me. You know, finance is great. I'm making what I'm supposed to make. So bless me. Make me love this place because I want to love these people. Guys, I was miserable working in a church. Miserable. I wanted to love it so bad. Melanie wanted to love it so bad. Our girls wanted to love it so bad. But it's not where God wanted us. But I had to be there because it paid me a certain amount. It's like, God's like, again, I'm right here. I was driving there, miserable. Not where I wanted to be. Being in meetings when they were talking about, you know, money and marketing and all this stuff. And they weren't talking about people at all. It was all about money and marketing. And I was just like, ugh. This is why most people don't want to come to church. This is why I don't want to come to church. I don't even want to go to church here. But I work here. So it's kind of a problem. So finally, and then God brings us to South Hills. And again, it was in a little, you know, cafeteria at the time. And not very many people. And I was like, okay, this is it. But it's going to require a huge financial sacrifice. Can we do it? And I remember Melanie saying, not only can we do it, we will do it. This is what we are going to do. God wants us to be here, and he is going to bless us. Everything's going to be fine. And so I remember, you know, having a conversation with the girls, and I just took them, took them on a little walk to the park, and I was playing with them, and I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're going to start a, a church, but that means that we're going to have to change things, and we're not going to go to the places we usually go. We're not going to go out to eat. We're not going to do stuff. I mean, our lives are really going to have to change. Are you okay with that? And they're like, okay. <laughs> okay. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I said, are you sure? And they said, Daddy, we just want to be right with you. We don't care where you go. We just want to be with you. And I realized I didn't have to buy him stuff. They just wanted our time. They just wanted us to be involved in what they were doing. You know, <clears throat> At the very first service uh, of this church, in fact, it was our first service, um, I had talked to the girls, and we had changed everything. We'd, the way we spent, the way I spent, um, our budget, just everything changed. We cut out tons of stuff. And uh, I didn't know what that was going to be like. <clears throat> and so I was outside, and Piper runs out to me. And this is how I knew, okay, this is great. Piper runs out to me. Now, before I tell you this, let me tell you, uh, my watch that I wear is a very expensive watch, and it was given to me uh, by my mother uh, right before she passed. She talked to Melanie and I were visiting with her, and I was to always talk about this watch that I wanted, and she knew it was not a lot of time, and she said, go and get that and remember me and always look at it. You're going to have to tell the time every day, so think of me. And, uh, and I did. It's extremely expensive, but it has a lot of sentimental value to me. 
And when I was out front, when I rehearsal, Piper runs out to me, and she said, Daddy, come here. So I kind of leaned down. I'm like, what's going on? And she said, I made this for you. And it's a little piece of string, but she made it in Sunday school. She goes, I made this at our new church. Put it on. So I put it on, and I've never taken it off. Now, monetarily, it does nothing to comes close to this watch. It's a very expensive, nice watch. But it means just as much to me, this right here. One, I can't take it off. It's a knot, so I can't literally. But it means so much to me because of what she said right after. Wisdom of kids is amazing. She goes, Daddy, and it's free. <laughs> You're getting it. You're getting it. And they got it. I was joking with a friend of mine, and he, uh, he is uh, uh, in ministry. Good buddy of mine. He belongs to a huge mega church in uh, Irvine, and he's just a good buddy. Uh, and we were talking and joking around the other day, and, uh, and he always kids me. He's like, when are you going to come over with us? When are you going to come over with us? You know, uh, you know we, could, we could use you. And he always kids around me. Every time we talk, he always jokes with me, like, you know, all right, so when are you coming over? And I'm like, no. So kiddingly, he said, <clears throat> So let me get something straight, bro. Uh, you, uh, you know, you got your, you got to set up carpet squares. Like, yeah, yeah, carpet squares. And you got to set up a church every week. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, and you got no staff? I was like, no, nope, no staff. Uh, and he's like, uh, no, no paid staff. Uh, and they said, um, <clears throat> wow, okay. And, and, and a couple times a year, you have to be out of that place? Because I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's just laughing. He's like, wow. And, and wow, so you don't have an office? I'm like, no, no office. He's like, dude. He's laughing. He's like, bro, I, I love you, buddy, but what, what have you gotten from that? And I mean, cut, cut your salary and everything. What have you gotten? And I looked at him, and I said, everything. What have I gotten? I got everything. My kids love church, and they love Jesus, and I'm right in the middle with it. I'm serving for the first time in my ministry career with my wife. On a daily basis, on a weekly basis. She's involved in everything that I'm doing. She's never been that before. Our kids publicly said, we love Jesus by getting baptized. I see your faces and I know your names and I know you because I hang out with you and I go out with you and I have a relationship with you. I couldn't do that at some big giant corporation that has services on Sundays. I know you and you know me. Guys, I don't even remember what we cut out. I don't. I do not remember the things we cut out. Why? Because it didn't amount to anything. It didn't mean anything. It was Confederate money. It was useless. I didn't need it. This is real currency. These relationships, what we are doing, what we are building, this is what it's all about. Because I've taken this, it's also cut our debt down because I am a very picky shopper now. I went from just spending to like, well, do I really? I am the best at gift cards. Like somebody gives me a gift card, I'm like, I, I've got to love it. Before, I was like, I got a gift card. Let's go spend it today. This is fun. Now it's like, well, I got to be really careful with this now. It's caused me to think differently, and it has made me, this church, a better person, a better dad, a better husband, a, a better pastor, a better everything. 
And it's also cut our debt down. I'm wiser with our finances. And I told him, I feel bad for you. So much more with so much less. And I told him, I feel bad for you, dude. He starts laughing. I'm like, you show up, everything's done. Where's the joy in that? You don't know those people. I go, name me 10 people that go to your church. And he named them like, those are your staff. <laughs> name 10 people that go to your church. He couldn't. Listen, man, I am not against big, giant, great. God bless you. People are coming to church. They love Jesus. Terrific. Keep going. That's not for me. This is for me. Being in real relationships. Doing life in, in the way that God wants me to do. This is where he wants me. And it's honestly, and I don't want to sound like George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, but I'm really the richest person in North Orange County. I just am. Because I get to do this. We have never wanted for anything since I've been here. God's provided everything. We, we want for nothing. Our children want for nothing. We have a beautiful life. And we're doing it with a lot less. Now, I want you to have that financial freedom as well. I don't want you to be enslaved to some job you hate because you got to make this amount to pay this, these bills or whatever. I want you to be able to, to, to knock down this debt so you can live the life God has for you. So you got to have the freedom for you. So you got the time for, for your family and for your friends and for your kids. I want you to have that freedom too. Do you know right now, right now, in America, people are working longer, well into their retirement. People that could barely walk are having to take jobs that they hate because they have debt. That, is that the life God wants for you? No, not at all. So let's together come up with some ways to have this church live a life of freedom, of financial freedom. And to the Joneses, you could say, congratulations, Joneses. I'm not going to keep up with you any longer. You can have it. You win. Great boat. Give me a ride. I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> I, saw, I saw when I was joking around when I was at the Costa Mesa campus, and I, I was laughing. They, they said, new rates and deals for yacht insurance. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. I don't have to worry about it. Great. Okay. <clears throat> uh, if you, again, if you would like to take this, uh, this Dave Ramsey study, I would really encourage you to do it. I really want to encourage you uh, to live a life that is free and, uh, and I, wanted, I want us to do this together. Uh, I want us to make sure that whatever is going on with us, that we are doing it uh, together. We're doing life together. I love you so much, and I'm excited for what God is going to do, continue to do in this church. And like I said before, when I see your faces, I'm just so unbelievably thankful uh, that I get to do this with you. And uh, I want you to be able to pick the next thing that God has for you, or maybe it's where you're at now, uh, to be exactly where he wants you. And you don't have to worry about uh, the uh, um, hassle and the, uh, just the agony that debt comes with uh, taking your decisions away from that. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just who you are and how you love us. God, thanks for these people here. It's daylight savings. It's earlier. God, there's all these illnesses going around that you have answers for. So I ask that you just provide a healing for all these, these, these flus and these illnesses and this craziness going on, God. And you can't turn on the TV, Father, without seeing people panicking and running around and buying all these things. And God, we just want to give this to you. Help us to be wise with this. Help us to, to take it seriously, but also to, to continue to look to you 
uh, as our, as our uh, provider God, as our healer. Way their decision-making capabilities. It's taking here that's going through some debt right now, that it's literally taking away their decision-making capabilities. It's taking away from the life that you have for them, God. I pray that we can come alongside them as a church to help them live a life of freedom, God. Father, you knew exactly what you were doing when you brought our family to this church family. You knew exactly the results. And God, you know what's going to happen a year from today. You know where we'll be meeting. You know the new people that are going to be coming in. You know the leaders that they're going to be doing. You know the ministries that will be forming. You know the, 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 the community that we're going to be getting involved in. You have it all figured out. And it just took faith saying, okay, I'll trust you. So help us to trust you, God, in everything, including, Father, including our finances. We, uh, we love you, Jesus, and it's in your precious name. Amen.